Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from, with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Empower yourself today with legal knowledge and follow us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook to get access to jargon-free legal information in plain and simple English. Today's episode is supported by Red Bar Law, the go-to law firm for expert, efficient, and fast legal assistance, all at a fixed cost. Go to our website at redbarlaw.com. Empower yourself today and follow us on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and LinkedIn by searching Get Legally Speaking to get access to jargon-free legal information in plain and simple English. Today's episode is supported by Red Bar Law, the go-to law firm for expert, efficient and fast legal assistance, all at a fixed cost. Go to our website at redbarlaw.com. With over 3 million downloads and counting, do not miss out on learning more about a topic that interests you. Go over to our website at getlegallyspeaking.com and browse over 100 podcast episodes. Empower yourself today with legal knowledge and follow us on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook to get access to jargon-free legal information in plain and simple English. Today's episode is supported by Red Bar Law, the go-to law firm for expert, efficient and fast legal assistance, all at a fixed cost. Go to our website at redbarlaw.com. Our episodes are free to access. However, if you feel that you would like to support the children's charity that we are raising money for, then head over to our Just Giving page at justgiving.com and search for Hattie Savari, where we are raising money for orphaned children at SOS Children's Villages, one of the worthiest children's charities. Donate as little as £1 for a great cause. Thank you. Hello, and welcome to our podcast at Get Legally Speaking. Our legal conversation today will be on health and safety for businesses during the crisis. I am joined by senior barrister Nigel Edwards QC from 33 Bedford Road Chambers in London. Nigel is a senior barrister who specialises in health and safety and regulatory matters and he has been quoted as having a tactical brain with a great deal of experience. Nigel has assisted in large number of complex cases and he is also a qualified mediator who is endorsed in the Legal 500. Thank you very much for joining me today, Nigel. You're having me. It's a pleasure to have you here to discuss this big topic, um, whether it's during the crisis or not. It's a big topic, health and safety um, for businesses. Um, so let, let's let's just talk about that. Let's start by saying and, and talking about, you know, sometimes small businesses tend to think, oh, I'm only a small business or I'm only a one man or a two man band. 
um, and maybe all the health and safety rules don't apply to me. Can you tell us, do health and safety laws apply to all sizes of businesses, whether tiny, teeny or large? I think it's the, the, the mistake that uh, a lot of small businesses um, make when they first set up or single entities, um, people that trade by themselves, think it doesn't apply to them. But, to, but they apply to all businesses, no matter how small, whether somebody's self-employed, whether they're in a partnership, whether it's a company, um, whether they are, are just working by themselves um, as a plumber or as, a, as, a, as, a, as an electrician. Uh, they apply across the board. The regulations um, apply regardless, irrespective of size or function of the business. Yeah, no, that's very interesting because, as I said, people tend to think, I think there's this thought that the smaller you are, really, the less rules apply to you. Well, yeah, the, 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 the rules um, are, are legion, um, often described as the six-pack of rules that are in play. They, they cover every single area. I mean, management of health and safety regulations, manual handling operations, display of screens, workplace health and safety, welfare of individuals, PPE, across the board. And outside the six-pack, there is every form and function of of business uh, operation uh, that's covered. Yes, no, indeed. So let's talk about who's responsible for health and safety in the workplace, Nigel? Um, the, the primary responsibility uh, is, is, is the employer, the person that, that, that controls the business. But um, people always forget also that, that employees have a similar duty uh, of care, similar a duty to make sure that health and safety regulations are employed. So, so initially, the, the employer would formulate uh, what their response would be to, to a given industry or a given function that they're undertaking but also the employees themselves have to ensure that they're complying with their own responsibilities well that's interesting isn't it because when we say the employer it could be you with a limited company you know and you might have two members of staff or one member of staff or lots of members of staff so ultimately as the employer of any employee whether it's a limited company or not you know it could be a company that you've got set up as in a different structure you are ultimately responsible. And I think it's very important there, a point that you made in that employees need to adhere by that. You can't sort of say, well, I'll just be a little bit reckless and if something happens, it'll always it'll only fall on the shoulders of my employer. Well, that isn't the case, obviously. The, uh, the, the, the employee themselves have got responsibilities that, that, um, that, that they have to undertake. Um, they're going to ensure that they look after themselves. They're going to make sure that they put other people at risk. They're going to make sure that members of the public are put at risk. Uh, they've got to ensure that they don't deliberately interfere or misuse the safety provisions that have been placed uh, upon them or have been trained for. They've got to cooperate and to help meet all of the safety obligations that are in place by the employee. They've got to use the equipment and the substances in line with their training. They've got to alert their employer if there's any danger. And they've got to also go on and report shortcomings that may be within the structure that's been employed by the employer. <laughs> Mm, interesting. No, absolutely. I mean, I think it's interesting to hear it sort of out, <laughs> reeled off in that format because you think, goodness gracious, as an employee, do I really have that many um, tasks or, or not tasks, but do, do I really have that level of responsibility when it comes to the health and safety as as an employee? Well, provided your training has been put in place and you understand what your obligations are, then the reality is that, 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 yes, you do. I mean, the primary responsibility is the employer's responsibility. But when it comes down to it, if you don't adhere uh, to the to the um, to the technical, I suppose, 
the risk assessments that are being undertaken and the method statements that are being put in place, the things you should do, the things that are necessary for you to ensure your own safety and the safety of others, then that responsibility can fall on your shoulders, yes. Mm, no, I get it. I hear you. I mean, I know there's a lot of health and safety um, points and responsibilities for employers. And it, it will differ from sector to sector, largely, um, and industry to industry. But can we just go over a few of the main health and safety responsibilities of employers, please? Can you just run us through that? The, 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 the principal um, employer's responsibilities is to ensure the health and safety and welfare of their employees, as well as anybody affected by the work, as, as that, that, that is, a, is a principal guideline. They've got to carry out risk assessments of the health and safety and the risks to employees and other people. They've got to effectively plan, organise, control, monitor, review all the health and safety measures, making sure that any particular industry that they're involved in uh, is, um, is properly being... Um, the industry is being undertaking the, the, safe, the, the, the safest way possible. Um, I'll give you an example. I... I a soldier uh, on a training exercise holds as much responsibility as those that plan the live firing exercise that they may undertake. Wow. And the plan that will be undertaken by senior officers goes all the way down the line through the NCOs, through the, through the guy on the field, to ensure that every possible potential risk is looked after. The guy on the, on the, on the, on the, um, the work floor in a factory using a machine has got to make sure that they're using that machine safely. Going up the line, the employer's got to ensure that the that the machine's being used appropriately, that the risk assessments, the guards, uh, the, um, the safety equipment, all the necessary material to make sure the safety of the individual, uh, what is being done, uh, is ensured. No, absolutely. I mean, it just, that just sounds like, it, well, it is. It's a job in itself. And I think the larger the organisation, the more equipment, the more material, the, the larger the workspace that you have, um, you know, the more the responsibility for these things. And that's why it's not uncommon to hear that there's a health and safety individual, there's a health and safety practitioner within a workplace or people, you know, companies sometimes, again, no matter how small you are, outsource health and safety professionals to come in and do assessments and say, right, what can we do? better than what we're already doing to ensure the health and safety of our workplace for everybody involved? I mean, the larger the business, the, the more likely it is that you're going to be employing somebody. But, but the, the, the costs of doing that uh, are, can be astronomical because it can be a full-time job for an individual. It can be a full-time job for a team of people. Um, down to, a, a, say, a, a hairdresser under present conditions who may be, in fact, going off and having off-the-shelf tailored provisions um, for tailored material provided to them, for example, how to use their, 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 their face coverings, how to employ the use of the chemicals in the given in the, in the given environment, uh, they may well be able to go off to their association, draw that down. They may go off and employ somebody who would be able to come into their business, look at everything that's ongoing, seeing what needs to be done, and seeing how they can meet their responsibilities. That mm. doesn't obviously abrogate their their duties. They've got to ensure that they've got to comply themselves. But they can go off and get off-the-shelf packs. But um, as you say, when it goes to the larger businesses, the larger you are, the more work is required and more frequently the review of that work is necessary. Yes, no, indeed. I mean, at the moment, not not just at the moment now in terms of, you know, middle of October 2020, but since businesses were starting to practice again after the lockdown came to an end, the government has been continually changing and upgrading and, and you know, its guidelines and advice on PPE. 
I mean, um, you know, for the safety of the workplace and safety of of people um, generally. But, you know, with all these changes and you mentioned the hairdressers there and, you know, you've got the small businesses who all of a sudden have got these screens up everywhere. Some are a bit homemade. Some are a bit sort of you can tell they've bought this stuff. Then you've got these, you know, we're wearing masks and gloves and, and life has changed. But if you're a business and a small to medium sized business or even if you're a large business, how quickly do you have to comply with these changing conditions? Because if you're open and you're you're trading and you haven't yet put into place something that the government has just announced that needs to be in place. I mean, we all get the sort of two-metre rule and the the screens and things like that, but how quickly does a business have to react to the government saying, right, this is new legislation, these are new guidelines, we want you to have these in place because of the virus? That's a very broad question. Um, Probably simply put, as quickly as you possibly can, it's your duty uh, as an entity, as 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 a business, as an employer, to ensure uh, that um, you adhere to all of the changes uh, as reasonably, practically, quickly as you possibly can. My best advice when I've been asked recently is if, if we can't get this right, we can't um, put stuff in place that's necessary, what should we do? And the answer to that question is almost always, it depends upon the risk. Um, and if the risk is, 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 is significant, then it goes as far as suspending your operations till you can get the right equipment in place to trying to make sure that you've put further risk assessments, undertaken further risk assessments, done your, your method statements, seeing what, um, what, what is practically available immediately. One of the things we've seen, I, I, I've had a lot of inquiries about, it, is the fact that, that, for example, PPE, personal protective equipment, hasn't been available. One of the lag factors, which was never, um, which was never taken account of by the government, it seems, uh, was just how much material, how much, how much equipment was going to be needed. If we, we look at hospitals in terms of masks, in terms of overalls, in terms of uh, gloves, in terms of what was necessary, the changes in relation to those, while other people are trying to, to, to seek the right equipment to use, have been, again, I use the word advised, legion. The type of masks, whether they are... Um, whether they're suitable for a particular purpose, whether it's an invasive purpose, whether it's a, a purpose of, of simply, I don't know, ch- changing in an old people's home, old people's sanitary wear, uh, um, incontinence pads or whatever, through to administering drugs by way of injection. Those, those, those guidelines uh, have changed rapidly and you found businesses having to order, then reorder, consider well there was there was huge backlogs of 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 orders and and i i remember reading that you know turkey was assisting and then turkey was saying well we haven't even shipped the stuff over yet and the uk was saying it's all just arrived new ppe over from turkey i think two containers container loads and and i think that without a doubt you know there has been a huge struggle for businesses and probably more so for the smaller businesses but you know we say even though i just say you know more so for the smaller businesses i think it's been tough for every business to try and implement the guidelines of the government to have you know the ppe in place make sure that their 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 environment is safe for not only uh, the customers and the clients coming in through the door but also for their staff it's been well, an the, en- enormous effort and it's been it's been massively challenging i think you know for everyone well, you wouldn't believe i think they call them blue lists which are suppliers of ppe um even those on blue lists when they're shipping in from China, when I say blue lists, it's a list of approved suppliers. 
if there's been a change in the kind of mask that can be um, be used by uh, in any given function, um, then that's come in very quickly. While ever there has been assessments undertaken, I think through through the HSE, through individual companies, through um, the, the National Health Service themselves, those changes have been so rapid that a batch that's in container en route has suddenly become useless. Mm. And therefore, hospitals can't just empty themselves. Nursing homes, as we've seen, can't just um, uh, simply let their old people go, as it were. Uh, people have got to get on and do the work. And the, but the reality is that the employer's got to provide suitable PPE. Uh, they've got to, to, to look at the risks. Uh, they've got to assess those risks. Uh, and they, they've got to move forward. It may well be that those those masks aren't suitable. Well, that I mean, is, we've seen it. Sorry, I was just going to say, Nigel, I've seen, I've read it in the news. You know, every other week I read something about, oh, this scientist said that this mask is suitable and brilliant. Oh, this scientist says that mask doesn't work anymore. And a mask of this type is actually a better mask to use. What I was found interesting is what happened to the gloves? All, we were wearing gloves. We were all wearing gloves very, uh, you know, into the lockdown. And shortly after that, when... when life started to sort of open up a bit that you could go out and, and buy some food more regularly and things like that. Now, there's no advice on that at all. It's quite extraordinary. Well, there'll be some advice out there, but, it, but it'll depend how old it is and depends uh, whether the latest government scientists have said it's suitable or the latest assessment said it's suitable. Uh, and it comes down to, I, I suppose, the, um, the employer, the, the, the person that's, 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 that's um, undertaking that business, making sure, it might be the NHS, it could be a small nursing home, it could be a, somebody in a, in a factory, it could be a hairdresser, making sure that they are ensuring that their assessments, having taken the advice from the websites or their own, their own particular health and safety officers, is the best that they possibly can. That isn't to say that they can take the lowest denominator, lowest common denominator, and just and just 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 spend the least amount of money. They can't. They've got to take the, the advice and they've got to apply that advice at its most recent, as quickly as practically they can, to ensure that any risk that's being created is minimised as best it possibly can. Absolutely. I mean, one thing I did here um, myself when I went into my my hairdresser that I I, I, I do visit. Um, was that if they didn't wear the mask, if they didn't comply, then they could get fined. So clearly there have been officers from the council on behalf of the government in some shape or form out there assessing businesses, just walking in to see whether businesses have been complying or not. And I said, well, you know, why would you get fined if you're if you're waiting for equipment to arrive for you to for, to use it or if you've just done something and you've not realised, well, actually, this wasn't the safest way to, for this for this setup. We thought we thought we understood what PPE to put in place, but our understanding was was not correct. Why would you get fined? And, and and he said to me, "Well, actually, they're quite helpful. The council officers have been quite helpful in trying to trying to help us to put it right, rather than sort of fining us on the spot for not for not doing things absolutely correctly. If they can see that it's a genuine, you know, it's an effort that's being made, and we just misunderstood an element of it." Um, I, I take, for example, locally to where I live, Weatherby, um, the, the local council. Um, have inspectors going around businesses. It's a relatively small um, uh, market town um, with a race course. Um, and the, the, the inspectors are going around. If, if somebody's obviously in breach and knowingly in breach, which is a, 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 broad, a, a broad subject in itself, but if somebody's knowingly in breach, then those fines may come. 
if it's a small business and they haven't moved along quite as quickly as they ought properly to do, they'll be advised on what should happen. They won't be fined immediately, one would hope. Uh, but, but, but the advice that's out there, always remembering it's the, it's the responsibility of the individual that's operating the business or the employee uh, who's, who's undertaking use of what's been advised to them. If that's the case, uh, how quickly they move along is going to really be dependent on how quickly the information's out there, how easily it's assimilated. And indeed, you're back to the same question of, of how significant the risk is in terms of what they're doing. Not using face masks, not using gloves, perhaps, in a, in a hairdresser's, not using the right kind of face mask, not making sure that the people are, are covered over when they're, being, when they're having their hair washed or, or the like. That, that may be a significant breach if, if an inspector walks through the door or the local um, uh, employee that's, um, that's been tasked with assessing whether a business is complying. When they walk through the door... It will be fairly obvious, it might, you might think, that, that, that if somebody's doing absolutely nothing, then they're not taking any care whatsoever and they're not being adherent, they're not, they're not complying with any regulations. No, absolutely. I mean, if it's, a level, if it's a different kind of mask that's required, then that, that's a hard call, isn't it? Mm. No, well, that's it, because, you know, I, you, I do see people with the screen, well, in shops um, with screen masks, and then I see people with the, with the mouth mask, and you think, well, which one is correct? And... Some people wear both, some people wear only one or the other. And then, again, you read in reports that, oh, the, the face mask doesn't really protect you enough or the screen doesn't really protect you enough. But, goodness, I mean, I think we're, we're certainly um, not about to see the end of the masks for the time being in any event. But let's talk about who enforces health and safety law. So who is it? Is it the local council? Is it the government in some other form? Who enforces health and safety law? Health and safety is enforceable by the local authority um, the, 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 or the health and safety executive, um, depending upon what the function is. Environmental health officers, they'll deal with offices, shops, hotels, catering, leisure activities. Health and safety inspectors will deal with factories, farms and buildings. But it, 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 in essence, the enforcement is, is, is regulatory. Health and safety executive in its former existence that we've seen since 1975 um, and as I say, the environmental health officers that we see that go in to make sure that catering is undertaken in the right kind of way, that, that leisure activities are undertaken in the right kind of way, uh, even down to, to, to how activity takes place in, in, in shops and offices. Mm, no, I understand. And, and, and let's talk about how much someone can be fined for breaching a health and safety law, because um, I think that's quite interesting, really. One of the things that I, I don't have a handle on is exactly how much these spot fines are because it's not really the kind of uh, it's not really the kind of um, area that, that I've that I've ever had to deal with. It's the kind of uh, issues that I've dealt with in the past uh, have, have, have been with from small companies through to very large companies, individuals, builders, uh, and whatever. One of the things that people don't realise these days is that the, that the kind of fines that are in place uh, can be swinging. Um, fines are determined these days by turnover uh, and not by by profit. So if you've got a oh small dear. business, you've got a small business under two million pounds turnover. It doesn't matter what your profit is; it could be ten thousand pounds profit, five thousand pounds profit, virtually nothing. But those kind of fines can 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 generate um, significant amounts of money, running into the tens of thousands, when we go all the way through to much bigger companies, into the millions and millions. Well, this is it. And then the reason why I say, oh, dear, when you said turnover and not profit, because you could have the you could have a very sensible turnover. And in this day and age, particularly with before, you know, 
uh, during or after a pandemic, you could be making losses. So if you've been fined and your, your fine is based on your turnover, and I think for under £2 million turnover, fines from anything from £200 to £450,000 is what... Is that about right, would you say, Nigel? 350 to £450,000 is the guideline. There's, there's a couple of new guidelines that came into play, uh, sentencing guidelines for, for these kind of breaches, significant breaches that came in in 2016, Environmental Health and, and, and Health and Safety Executive. As I say, you're quite right. Micro-businesses, they ascribe themselves at £200 to £450,000, subject to turnover. Small businesses, £700. Uh, to 1.6 million, and that's a that's a turnover of two to 10 million. Um, medium companies, 10 million to 50 million turnover, fines of 3,000 to 4 million pounds, and then your large 50 million plus turnover, 10,000 pounds to 10 million pounds. Yeah. They can be swinging. There are obviously ways, early guilty pleas, early acceptance of what you've done. There's obviously ways of reducing those in terms of, 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 of what you've done. Those fines will be determined by whether you have deliberately breach the law whether you've negligently breached the law it will depend upon what your culpability is it depends on the harm potential or the, the harm actually caused but the fines can be absolutely swinging and, and you're right it can cripple it can put out a business small businesses it can put a business they can out a forgive me it can put out a business large businesses mm, no indeed especially as i said if you're not actually making any money but your turnover is still a sizable sum or any sum Nigel, that, have, sorry Forgive me. You can you can argue where you are with your profit, but the reality is that this was this was intended because your 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 turnover really is a function of what the scope of your business is, isn't it? In terms of how much activity that's ongoing, and mm. and therefore I suppose the view is taken if you're a large business and you're employing or failing to employ proper health and safety regulations, or, or ensuring that, that that the health and safety of your workers and other people are are taken care of, then then those large fines are necessary. Well, I, I get, agree with them, but, but, but that's where they are. Well, I mean, I, I guess that it, regardless of the size of the business that you are, if you are going to go into business, then you need to take things like this health and safety very, very seriously because it's not just for yourself, but it's for people that you're serving. It's people that potentially are working for you. So I guess the message that the government is trying to send with this, this level of fines for serious offenders of health and safety is you cannot be in business and, and continue like this. So pay your fine, correct it and carry on. Maybe in some instances, businesses are closed down because of health and safety. I mean, I certainly, throughout my years, have seen the odd restaurant that was sort of shut shop because of health and safety reasons. Um, I have to say, if they ever did reopen, I wasn't that inclined to go back in. But, but, but there you go. Nigel, that's all we have time for. Do you have any last words of wisdom for our listeners in relation to where we are with health and safety and COVID? Is there anything you'd like to say? Well... I suppose simply this, there's a lot of information out there, the health and safety executive, but a lot of information on a daily, weekly, monthly basis out there. Um, if you're concerned, go first of all to the websites. Keep, keep, your, keep your information as, as up-to-date as you possibly can and try and employ the, the, the advice that you're being given as quickly as you possibly can. No, absolutely. Very good advice. And I know what you mean when you say go to the most, try to find the most recent information, because when you Google, and and I talk about Google because that's the platform that I use, but when you Google anything, you get millions of sort of results coming up. And particularly with COVID, there's so much stuff that, and it's aging quickly as well. Stuff from September is aging in October and stuff from from sort of June and July. looks like it's 100 years old because of the changes. So I think that's very sad. 
health and safety websites, your NHS websites, uh, they tend to be as up to date as they possibly can. Albeit if you click on a Wednesday afternoon by the Thursday morning, it might have changed. No, That's the absolutely. Good, good. Well, thank you very much for joining me today, Nigel. I really appreciate your time today. Thank you. Thank you very much. And we'll say to our listeners is don't forget to click and subscribe to our podcasts and you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn and YouTube by searching Get Legally Speaking. Also visit our website at getlegallyspeaking.com. Thank you for listening. Empower yourself today with legal knowledge and follow us on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook to get access to jargon-free legal information in plain and simple English. Today's episode is supported by Red Bar Law, the go-to law firm for expert, efficient and fast legal assistance, all at a fixed cost. Go to our website at redbarlaw.com. Our episodes are free to access. However, if you feel that you would like to support the children's charity that we are raising money for, then head over to our Just Giving page at justgiving.com and search for Hattie Savari, where we are raising money for orphaned children at SOS Children's Villages, one of the worthiest children's charities. Donate as little as £1 for a great cause. Thank you. Empower yourself today and follow us on TikTok, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube and LinkedIn by searching Get Legally Speaking to get access to jargon-free legal information in plain and simple English. Today's episode is supported by Red Bar Law, the go-to law firm for expert, efficient and fast legal assistance, all at a fixed cost. Go to our website at redbarlaw.com. With over 3 million downloads and counting, do not miss out on learning more about a topic that interests you. Go over to our website at getlegallyspeaking.com and browse over 100 podcast episodes. Empower yourself today with legal knowledge and follow us on Instagram, Twitter or Facebook to get access to jargon-free legal information in plain and simple English. Today's episode is supported by Red Bar Law, the go-to law firm for expert, efficient and fast legal assistance, all at a fixed cost. Go to our website at redbarlaw.com.